These are groundbreaking stories of South Africans with severe medical conditions and the innovative teams that have brought about miracles to help them. Welcome to Medical Miracles with Barbara Friedman. Stellenbosch Medical School professor Andre van der Merwe made world headlines earlier this year with his first ever penis transplant operation. Meeting up with him in his rooms at Tigerberg Hospital in Cape Town, I could sense his utter dedication to the young men on his ward, victims of botched circumcisions that he is intent on helping. Organ donor transplants of hearts, kidneys, livers and more have been carried out for many years, since the late 60s in fact, so why no penis transplant? It really surprised me that we haven't done a penis transplant in South Africa before. When he came to Tigerberg Hospital in 2007, he was involved in kidney transplants, eventually headed up the transplant program. And that's when he really began to think seriously about the possibilities. When we harvest for kidneys on brain-dead donors, we, we always have uh, these pristinely screened uh, donors um, that are in a very good physical condition. And then we take their kidneys and then sometimes the cardiac team will take a heart or the corneas are taken as well, and skin, etc. Live as well. And then all of a sudden it started to bother me, why don't we take the penis as well? Because the penis is going to the grave with this, uh, you know, with a donor's body, which is uh, also in a, good, in a good condition. The other major issue pushing him in this direction was seeing his wards filled with these young men who'd experienced botched ritual circumcisions and who were desperate for help. And we've got these young men that is on our ward, with uh, often on our ward, especially during the month of October, for instance, and they would need a penile transplant to have any proper uh, function of, of the penis. In the past, they'd used what's called free flap techniques, where a penis is constructed out of skin from areas like the forearm. But there are a lot of limitations and drawbacks with this method. For example, erections can only occur with the help of prosthetics, and it's far from ideal. In late 2009, he began working on this project, believing South Africa had all the technical ability, equipment, and facilities to make it a success. But a penile transplant is far bigger than just the surgery. Patients have to be prepared psychologically too. They need to have a more um, thorough psychological evaluation. So they, they, they need to go through some psychometric tests and um, because uh, it being genitalia, we were not sure how the patient's going to re re respond afterwards to having somebody else's genitalia attached to them. And that could induce, uh, you know, even in the worst case, a psychosis and induce uh, non-adherence to medication. And immune suppressant medication is essential for every patient receiving any donor organ or the body would reject it. The penis is an extremely important part of the male anatomy, not just physically, but psychologically too. It plays a vital role in identity and sense of self. If it functions well, you actually give life back to, to people. In the, in, the, in the words of one of the face transplant people, uh, you know, these composite tissue transplant, as we call them, you know, face and penis and hands, etc. They're not life-saving, but they're certainly life-giving. So, um, we, we, you know, from that perspective, I think one can make a very strong ethical case to do a penile transplant on a young man without a penis. The Koza ritual circumcision, like in many other cultural traditions, involves a period of isolation after the foreskin has been removed 
And it's during this time, when the young man is alone, that problems can arise. If that bandage is wrapped too tight, then you cut off the blood supply to the penis. And it is very, very um, easy to wrap a constrictive bandage too tight around the organ such as the penis or a finger or a toe or even a leg. Because you can think the, the blood vessels are quite small. And if you wrap that bandage around uh, so tight that the blood vessels uh, can only supply blood up to the level of where the bandage start, which in the most severe cases is where the penis meets the, the abdomen, then or the lower abdomen, then the penis will actually undergo gangrene up to that level. So then you're sitting with a situation where you've got this young guy in the felt who's now got a, a gangrenous penis and he's not expected to go um, and find any medical help. So the, the infection spreads rapidly via those blood vessels to the rest of the body, often killing these young men either on the circumcision field or later on with uh, septicemia. The young man is already often dehydrated and this adds to an environment for gangrene to set in. Infection and septicemia can follow and then possibly death out in the felt. Some die later at home. Most do not seek help at hospitals. I'm not against ritual circumcision in its intended form, uh, personally. I think it's a fantastic tradition to maintain if it can be done in its intended form in a safe way. No one really knows the numbers. Hospitals in the Eastern Cape alone estimate some 250 young men a year lose their lives. Van der Merwe says the young men on his ward have told him that it has gotten worse in and around Cape Town as greedy entrepreneurs without the true knowledge or ability are running illegal schools just for profit. The young man who got this first ever penile transplant received it in March this year at the age of 21. He got his circumcision when he was 18 though. He was in, in his final year, uh, grade 12, and um, I think it was in June. Um, that upset him so badly that he never finished school. Um, you can just imagine. And he had the courage and strength to get in touch with the transplant program at Tigerberg. When I saw him, his wounds have already fully healed. He's, um, he had a stump of about a centimeter of, of penis. He had to sit to urinate. Um, he was very shy and, and withdrawn and um, quiet. But also, this is what I find in all of, of these young men, also very hopeful. Because for them to uh, come through the hospital gates for help is a very big step. And once they've done it, I think they have hope to have a penis back again. Tragically, patients have spoken of victims of botched circumcisions taking their own lives. At least two of the candidates on my waiting list told me that they already um, planned the suicide in detail when they heard of the penis transplant program when they came for help. Then they decided not to commit suicide but uh, come for help. There are two young men who have been on his waiting list for quite a long time. The team have been unable to contact them recently and are very worried. It is really, really difficult for these young men to be um, without a penis at that age. Um, and the most dignified way out for them is often suicide. The patient workup is crucial, not just physically, but psychologically. The issues around urogenital transplants can cause psychosis. In addition, the essential steroid medication the patient has to take can also cause psychosis in people prone to mental illness, like bipolar disorder or substance abuse problems, 
and those patients won't make the waiting list. But this young man was an ideal candidate to receive a donor penis, says Professor van der Merwe. He's been working extensively on a master's thesis on penile transplantation while setting up this program meticulously. The delay was in finding a donor penis. They've struggled to find families willing to donate their loved one's penis. We were um, struggling to find a donor. Um, that, that was a, the big hold-up. We never uh, got permission. Nobody wanted to donate a penis. Nobody at all. And then at last the opportunity came. A young man had been declared brain dead and his family was willing. The specialist organ transplant coordinators are highly trained nurses who counsel families in that trauma situation dealing with a loved one who's declared brain dead. He was a multi-organ donor. His most gracious family uh, agreed to basically everything that could be donated. He was a very healthy young guy. He really did save a lot of lives. It was absolutely incredible what you can do, uh, you know, if you donate organs. This young man who received this first transplant was one of many on Professor van der Merwe's waiting list, but he happened to be the perfect match. To preserve the donor and family's dignity, a simple but aesthetically pleasing penis is created from skin flaps for the donor before he is finally buried. The process of harvesting donor organs needs to be done as quickly as possible. Different teams from around the country gathered in theater to take the heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, corneas, and of course, the penis. The donor was kept alive for 24 hours to allow this to be done. Professor van der Merwe says it's not as complicated as one might think. If you think of it as just a set of uh, pipes of different sizes that one have to connect, you know, as in sort of normal plumbing, you can even say. The different pipes that we connect up are the small blood vessels to the penis and then the erectile bodies of the penis which as you may be aware is two rigid pipes and then the, the urine pipe uh, which also uh, contributes to the erection to a degree and then of course the skin so these things are the structures that you have to anastomose an anastomosis is a surgical connection between two usually tubular structures such as blood vessels so it sounds simple but it's maybe not as simple because the, the recipient, having gone through his trauma of an infected what circumcision, has got so much inflammation, old inflammation, which caused fibrosis, uh, you know, which is scar tissue in the, in the area of, of the penis. And this scar tissue is very difficult for us to work with. Um, so it is, the, the principles are relatively simple, but practically it's maybe not as simple. The stump of the penis was also very scarred, so we had to cut the stump of the penis uh, maybe a centimeter back to uh, which also then shortened it but it made it uh, again nice and healthy and, and easy to or easier to to put this uh, other the tubular structures on the other pipes as I said uh, to connect them up to the penis. The professor's team included brilliant plastic surgeon Alex Zilker and they say they learned so much from this first operation. It's common for infection to set in post-operatively, and it did happen. Luckily, they saved the transplanted penis. The patient will need to remain on immune-suppressant medication to prevent the body rejecting the donor penis. For the rest of his life, or as long as he wants to have a normal functioning penis. The young man's urinary and erectile function is working brilliantly, but follow-up visits to the hospital are essential, especially in the early stages. It's very taxing on, on him. Uh, to come for, for all these follow-ups. 
um, but he's uh, so far doing extremely well. His erections have been very good, even uh, frighteningly good, because he had very early sexual intercourse. We advised him against it, but he unfortunately did. Um, but the graft stayed intact, and um, he was on penis rehabilitation medication, very uh, similar to the Viagra that many people know. It's just a different drug that's longer acting. Um, and I think these medications um, did a wonderful job for him. We stopped him at three months and he's still having normal erections. He's on nothing, he's on no medication to enhance erections. He gets normal erections um, when he wants, as many times as he wants. Fertility was not an issue. We haven't uh, interfered at all with his uh, sperm production. The spermatozoa are produced in the testicle and then that's sort of transported to the prostate and the, and the storage vesicles uh, around the prostate and then during ejaculation the semen is then forced out via the penis. So as you can see we only transplanted the penis uh, so we just connected a pipe to a pipe. In fact his partner fell pregnant and has recently given birth to their baby. Professor van der Merwe says this young man has a newfound confidence changed his life because he's now got a job and he's got a new penis and a new life ahead of him. His whole personality has changed. He was reserved and looking down all the time, he will stand up straight and look in the eyes and smile, his huge flashing smile. So I said to him, you know, what was the best about this whole thing for you? Is it the sex or the baby that's coming or is it the... Uh, the fact that you can stand and be now, that you don't have to be shy, uh, you know, urinating in front of other men. Um, he just smiled at me and then he said uh, the biggest thing for him is that he's happy now. So, uh, you know, I think that takes it into perspective that it's not about the penis, it's not about the sex, it's not about the baby, it's not about the one thing, it's about the, the holistic picture for the patient and the fact that he's happy now, I think, is it's a very... Uh, a situation where we can be very thankful for. And what is so heartening is that the program runs out of Tigerberg State Hospital, helping these young men with little if no means. We are helping the poorest of the poor, so the, these people can definitely not afford to have any private care. And Prof sees penis transplants being used for many other conditions, not just in cases of circumcisions that have gone wrong. I think it creates a lot of hope for a whole spectrum of people with genital abnormalities, but towards the end of the spectrum, so the most severe cases, any case that would um, justify using immune suppression. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Medical Miracles. Visit 702.co.za for more intriguing stories.